in part one of a four-part series, we're going to talk about the to-do list for four SEC teams. We'll do that right after the singer. Stinger. Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, and Chris Moxley with you tonight. We're going to be covering Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and who am I forgetting? Georgia. Team, Georgia uh, tonight in the SEC as we talk about what these teams need to do to get ready for the spring. But before we do that, uh, the NCAA, the day after uh, being named or being disclosed that they were being investigated for potential NIL violations. They have filed a lawsuit against the NCAA making antitrust claims. Um, Chris, uh, your thoughts on, on the NCAA and the, you know, this next chapter in really uh, what I think is probably the demise of the NCAA. Yeah. This lawsuit uh, that Tennessee filed against them is in response to uh, essentially NIL violations in regards to the recruitment of Nico Imalieva, which obviously extremely well publicized. Everyone know, yeah. knew like all the details, which is weird for an NIL deal. But uh, yeah, the, the, the crux of it is a um, booster part of the, I think, Spire Collective flew Nico out and it was it violated the rules or whatever right every program is doing this it's nothing new but Tennessee has a very specific incentive to refute this which is they have to deal with all the Jeremy Pruitt stuff so like there'll be a second time offender of NCAA violations so it, it, it it's important to Tennessee to get this right the crux of the issue, and it's been the crux of every single uh, lawsuit filed against the NCAA, is you are basically antitrust in every capacity of what you're doing. You treat these student athletes like employees, yet they don't have the same rights as employees. And a lot of that is based on uh, non-compete stuff, antitrust stuff. You the crux of this specific lawsuit is an income based, like you're not allowing them to earn income based on their ability to, uh, you know, market themselves and get the most money for the player itself. A lot of different lawsuits floating around for, uh, that, that kind of like tangentially relate to this, but I, I think this is one that could result in something virginia joined on as well and i kind of expect other states to join on too yeah we've got to get some information on where the uh, case was filed if it was filed in state court or in federal court but i mean in federal court the supreme court has been very player friendly in its most recent uh, opinions in ncaa cases so i don't know why this would be any different they're kind of the school representing the players really on home turf whether it's state court or federal court. So I would be interested to see uh, what happens here 
moving forward. Matt, any thoughts about the NCAA uh, litigation, Tennessee? No, I mean, I don't think that's it's something that's going to happen this year. So it'd be something to watch. I mean, we've talked a lot about that for the past couple of years, that we think at some point these power conferences were going to break away from the NCAA and become their own entity anyway. Um, I know, Chris, we were we were texting about it beforehand. We both think that it would be smart if the NCAA at least was still there to maybe run the non-revenue sports because obviously we don't yeah. want to see, you know, like gymnastics, polo, whatever else is. I mean, basketball, football drive a lot of the revenue in college football, uh, college sports. We don't want to see all these other sports go away and these athletes not have any way to play. But I think that football and probably basketball we could see in the next couple of years possibly separating away from the NCAA and being their own entities in, in, in a sense. It, and my guess would be that would be an employee-based model yeah. where uh, the student, student athletes are employees of the university and then uh, probably I like do some sort of budget. That. I do yeah. not want to see that because right now – Student it would be some sort of collective bargaining agreement. Much though. of what that's why I don't want to see because collective bargaining equals salary caps. And right now, college football is the most American sport because you can actually earn what it is that you are worth. If we get collectively bargained agreements in the you're going to have salary caps. And Nico Iamalieva's eight million dollars becomes you know two million dollars because I got to pay everything else. I don't want to see. I want to see it just like it is. Just get rid of the NCAA. You know, no regulations, just fairness and capitalism. That's what I want to see. I mean, I don't know that we I, wanted to like go down this route. You are a communist. You are all a communist. But is it really that? I like, am. I know most of these players can't get whatever you know the the market wants to pay them. But we've seen there is, in essence, a cap on this already. We we heard about when Quinshaw Junkins jumped in the portal, and it was all oh, running backs are only making about. 700 to 900k so they're putting whether it's actual salary caps on or not there are teams putting caps on it i mean austin's not here to help me and him lot over you guys that we were right we have not seen anybody come in and get a bigger contract than nico since that happened that is course corrected in a massive way whatever they no, they have it's course corrected in a massive way we are not seeing freshmen get 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 offered like a 12 million who like 11 and a half I didn't hear who you with said. My, with the mic, like with you Jade, said. Rashada. Jade Rashada. No, it maybe Florida couldn't pay it if they did. I don't. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I mean, it didn't work out. We haven't seen freshmen get paid that way. It's actually switched more to the transfer portal. We've seen these coaches want to pour money into that, not the freshmen. And even then, you're talking about the high end quarterbacks only getting. They're saying like a mil, maybe twelve hundred. Like that's it. They're not getting, or sorry, a million two. Like they're not getting these massive deals anymore. So I, while I agree with you, there is no actual salary cap. Like schools are putting some kind of cap on what they're willing to pay people. That's not a, okay. First of all, that's not a salary cap. Second of all, if you want to put a salary cap on what the players can earn then put a salary cap on what a university can earn in its next TV deal. How about that? How about we do that? They can only negotiate to a certain ceiling. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I want to move on. I want to move on here because we are starting a four-part series tonight. Uh, this is the doldrums of kind of college football and football in general. Um, but 
the good thing about college football is these teams are getting ready ready for the springs. There are winter workouts going on right now, and we'll turn around here in a second, and spring games will be being played uh, in April. So we're going to start with the SEC. Obviously, we can't cover all 16 teams that are going to be in the SEC next year, but we'll cover four tonight, and we'll do this over four parts, getting through the SEC, and then we'll move on to the next conference. Let's start here uh, with Georgia. Georgia, they keep Kirby Smart. They keep Mike Bobo as, as offensive coordinator. This is a team that was generally balanced last year. Carson Beck, we think of Georgia as being a you know a run-heavy team. Carson Beck actually led the NCAA in passing attempts. It was like 417, I believe. He was top 25 in the country. So uh, they are throwing the ball more than what you remember your traditional uh, or historic Georgia teams to have thrown the ball in previous seasons. They lose Lad McConkey. Uh, to the NFL draft, Marcus Roseme Jackson, of course, Brock Bowers, and their running back, their top two running backs in Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards are gone. Uh, so is Cedric Van Pran and Amarius Mims, the left tackle. Amarius Mims probably going to be a top of first round NFL draft pick. In the transfer portal, they lose Brock Vandegrift to Kentucky. Um, and then some other wide receivers, Mikey Muse, who was a kick returner, wide receiver, Denylon Morissette. Morissette, uh, Zach Haynes, C.J. Smith, and Jackson Meeks. Uh, they lose all of those players. Some additions. I mean, Georgia has really been killing it uh, here in the transfer portal. They keep they uh, get Trevor Etienne from Florida, Colby Young from Miami, uh, Michael Jackson from <laughs> Michael Jackson. That's Michael Jackson from USC. London yeah. Humphreys from Vanderbilt, Ben Urasek from Stanford. Man, I don't know that they're is a program in the country, maybe other than like Colorado, if I had to think about it, that has added more um, skill position talent. And that's what we care about being a fantasy college fantasy football based uh, channel. Then Georgia, Georgia has really added it. Um, key questions, key questions heading into the spring. Matthew, let's start here. Is it, Trevor Etienne in the field as far as this running back room goes, or do you expect for, you know, Roderick Robinson to be heavily involved and maybe Andrew Paul, you know, with the injury to Branson Robinson? Yeah, I mean, I think Trevor Etienne is going to be the guy who leads the backfield. Now, how much of that is really the question we're going to have to look at? I mean, I think me and Chris talked about this recently. We said maybe it's like a 60-40 split, maybe. I think, I mean, you you mentioned Roderick Robinson, who looked good before injuries last year. Andrew Paul, who we have yet to really see do anything, unfortunately, also due to injury. You also got Branson Robinson, who was getting more snaps than both of those guys. Also had, I believe it was a patellar injury as patellar well. Uh, injury. Which yeah. is... Ruptured patellar yeah, injury. Not, not pretty yeah. and, and not easy to come back from. So I do think because of that, you've got all three of those guys. Andrew Paul's two years removed from that injury. So I would, I would hope, I mean, we... With obviously, anybody listening to this, most people listening to this know that college college teams don't really have to report much about injuries. So we don't know that he's fully healthy. The hope would be that he is. I think Etienne will lead the backfield. Uh, I mean, you mentioned earlier they were more passive. I think you meant to say, by the way, uh, Beck uh, led the SEC. You said led college, but then was top 25. Led SEC in passing. He not, led not. the SEC in passing. He was top 25, top 25 in the country in yeah. passing attempts. Yeah, sorry. And even with that, though, I mean, and this shows how many plays I think they ran, they were almost a 50-50 split on the run. So as much as Carson Beck was passing the ball, they were still running the ball a ton. So I think Trevor Etienne yeah. has a chance to be a really good running back for them. I still think they'll mix those other guys in. But like I said, I, I agree with what Chris said a couple weeks ago. I think it's going to be more of like that 60-40 split. Now, that 40 may be split between all three of those backup guys and Etienne still getting the bulk of it, though, with that 60. 
so Andrew Paul played quite a bit last year. I think he was fourth oh, on the team God. amongst running backs in Didn't carries. I, I, yeah, I would expect him to actually play quite a bit this year because I gotta, I gotta assume Branson Robinson is not going to be in the conversation. Yeah. So it's Trevor Etienne, Roderick Robinson, and Andrew Paul. Let me say this about Roderick Robinson: we got to see him um, late in the season. Listen, I know that he was 220 pounds, and in high school, I think we had him at over 21.5 miles per hour, maybe even 22. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. He was over 22. But he did not look like he had a lot of juice uh, on the field for Georgia. I mean, I'm talking about like an Elijah Holyfield situation. I'm I'm a little bit scared of Roderick Robinson, his lack of burst and explosiveness from what I saw, but I don't know if anybody shares that concern. No, I mean, he came in from the spring being injured. He was injured all season long. That's where it's it's really hard to guess like what he's gonna do. I said, I don't know how quickly Branson's gonna be able to come back from his. So maybe you are right. I mean, I'm looking at Andrew Paul's stats. Yeah, man, 129 yards rushing yeah. last year. I, I honestly yeah. did not realize he he had even he touched the ball. Uh so I mean, yeah, he probably is the number two, which is a, a good thing for him to finally get that shot. But I still think, like you said, ETN is gonna be the, the leader of the backfield. Yeah, I uh, I have no idea what the rotation behind etn will look like to be honest i and i feel like that every year with georgia backs like what is the rotation because they have so many talented running backs in that backfield it's just hard but i i do think etn himself his stock has improved dramatically i i, I think he he was a i don't want to say unathletic out of shape running yeah. back but yeah, yeah, he was a big boy, and he's really rounded himself into a good running back, and I think he'll be a really solid player for Georgia this year. And he was good with Florida last year, splitting carries with Montrell Johnson. I mean, you know, I, so even if he's in a, a split backfield, he can still be productive. I don't know that any of these guys are a value. Andrew Paul was probably taken. He's probably rostered in most of your leagues because of how we hyped him up uh, two years ago. Branson Robinson and Roderick Robinson are definitely rostered. So I don't know that there's any value here um, to mine in the as far as the running back room goes. We transfer over to the to the uh, tight end room. You lose Brock Bowers, Chris. I mean, I got to toss this up to you. You're our tight end guy. You got Pierce Sperlin, Oscar Delp, and Lawson Lucky there. Um, I, I, Pierce Sperlin might not be rostered in some in some uh, uh, leagues, but Oscar Delp and Lawson Lucky probably definitely are. What are your feelings about Oscar Delp uh, going into what his third year? I, I I've seen him talked about in Devi circles, and I think that's certainly a mistake he was not very good last year in the times that we saw him and i actually think he's pretty overrated by the debbie crowd i like austin lucky i i they loved him in spring practice last year i think that he could have had a bigger impact last year but if anyone in this room is worth targeting i think it's lucky i i think delp is a certainly a fade at his current price I, I'm, I think I've, I'm going to steal this, on, and I think it's from uh, Corey from uh, back to Devi. But he remarked how Oscar Delp just doesn't break any tackles. This is not physical uh, at the catch point and not physical after the catch. So that's something to pay attention to uh, here after the spring. Is, Matt, he, is any, he only hyped up because he's the like replacement the, for Brock Bowers? For Brock Bowers. I, I think he had a decent athletic profile, too. I don't have it in front of me, but I think. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, I think that there's the – if you look at the wide receiver core, Ra Ra Thomas is returning, Dominic Lovett is returning, Arian Smith is returning. Uh, Dominic Lovett actually was second on the team as far as wide receivers go in receptions. But on when I look at the you know potential makeup of this team with those three guys, we could – we could potentially be seeing a you know more two tight end sets uh, with this Georgia team. You know, I don't know Arian Smith. I thought that he was going to be um, uh, uh, more of a factor than he was last year, especially because Carson Beck loves to throw the ball that deep rainbow downfield. And but we didn't see a lot of Arian Smith, and he was generally healthy. I don't know when Arian Smith is going to come on and just explode on the scene. It's not one of the fastest players in college football, and of course London Humphreys uh, is there to you know. He's probably competing with Ra Ra Thomas for an outside position. Dominic Lovett um, in the slot. You know, Arian Smith can be used everywhere. I don't know, Matt. Matt, what do you do? You have any thoughts about London Humphreys? At one point, he was the number one yeah. wide receiver in the transfer pool. Yeah, I mean, if he's used as that deep field threat, I think that he's going to be fine. I, I we saw. I mean, and you talked about how much they threw the ball last year with Carson Beck. I. I don't know how often people talk to how effective he was and how efficient he was as well. And I don't know that that even takes a step back. So they, I could see him being the one. I think that room is wide open. I mean, I know Mike loves Colby young coming over from me, Georgia. It has been a long time since they've had a thousand yard wide receiver. I don't think that they're going to have it this year. I actually think the, the biggest probably winner in, in all of this, uh, the transfer portal in and out for Georgia is going to be Benjamin Euro segment. That dude was a stud tight end at Stanford with no passing game. And now he gets a quarterback like Carson Beck in an offense that's not afraid to use the tight end. I agree with you. I think they're going to be running two tight end sets. And that's why I think this whole group, you know, Pierce Sperlin, Lawson Lucky, Oscar Delp, all these guys that we've had hope for over the past couple of years are going to be nothing because of Eurosec. I think he's going to be the one who not necessarily steps in and takes over as Brock Bowers, but probably is closer to producing that than anybody else. And I totally screwed that up, not mentioning the transfers into those into the wide receiver room, into the tight end room. Ben Urosek, Colby Young, London Humphreys, all of those guys are going to uh, play a factor, even though they have some talented returning players uh, in those two rooms. Um, I think a question for this team is who takes the backup quarterback position, uh, obviously with Brock Vandergriff. I don't even know if Brock Vandergriff was the backup last year. Gunnar Stockton, I think has to be that guy but i mean chris matt is gunner stockton a guy that you are rostering in in, in anticipation of 2025 or no i i think he stinks so no <laughs> like i like i'll be honest with you like i've seen him play a couple times and i am severely unimpressed so no but i mean it, 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 are we sure that isn't jackson muschamp either like, I mean, he he he's the guy that I thought would have been the third string. I, I don't know that he hasn't an entered the portal either. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure I want to ro- roster any Georgia backup. Uh, Vandergriff, Stockton, and then Colin Drake was the only other quarterback to throw a pass last year. Just threw one. I think he's going to be a junior this year. So it's just something um, to, to, to watch for. Uh, Carson Beck, by the way, my number one quarterback going into – 2024. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Gunnar Stockton's as horrible as Chris says uh, that he is. Uh, he definitely needed to make some improvements. It's a dude who I, be- I could be wrong. I want to say is to set the record for most passing yards in the state of Georgia over players like Trevor Lawrence and is it Justin Fields. I don't remember who the other was. Uh, High named players. He set the record over. I mean, he's 
but that's not the question, Matt. You get fifteen round. You get fifteen rounds in a supplemental freshman He's, supplemental draft. Are you trading one of those draft picks for Gunnar Stockton in no. anticipation of him taking the 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 starting job in twenty twenty five? I think it comes down to him and Ryan Puglisi, unless they're going to go into the transfer portal, which I think that's hard to just assume that they're going to do that every single. Which could year, potentially like. be that could be an option. Yeah, I mean, it could be, but we away. don't know what. I mean, look at this year's transfer portal. There was not a really good. I mean, we're talking about Chris will tell you all the time about Ohio State fans jumping in his DMs because they got Walker Howard. He's like, he's not that good. Like, it was not that good of a transfer portal QB class. So I don't know that Georgia does that. There was once upon a time where people did not think, myself included, Carson Beck was any good. And he's going out there and proved people wrong. Like, I don't know that we can he judge proved y'all wrong. He proved y'all wrong. Don't, I don't know don't, that we can don't include me in this Stockton on his limited play right now. I do think that it will come down to him and Puglisi is probably the backup. I think Puglisi's got a lot to work on too. I mean, he's a very, very talented freshman, uh, very strong arm. Uh, what was it? He even talked about his love for baseball. His first throw was like a 93 mile per hour fastball. Like he's a interesting quarterback prospect, but I think he's got he's got to learn too. I mean, you got to give Gunnar Stockton some. Love dudes, been in. He'll be in the system for at that point, what two years going into his third year in that system, possibly with the chance to take it over. I think he would be the favorite to take over Georgia once Beck goes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of freshmen, uh, they have the number one freshman class, but it's very heavy on defense and offensive line. 10 of the top 10. Uh, recruits in Georgia's class are are defensive players. I think there's you know one tight end in the top. 10 of their of their class um we are looking at potential post spring transfers and as far you know whoever loses the tight end job whoever's the fourth guy there that could be you know pierce Sperlin, maybe lawson lucky maybe oscar delp i think one of those guys could be if benjamin urasek looks to be you know the primary guy and uh they're only using one tight end but other than that i mean some of the especially the wide receivers rara thomas already transferred dominic lovett already transferred london humphreys he just transferred in arian smith has not used his transfer so maybe you know if he's low on the depth chart he could go uh be a speed threat for for someone else um for potential post spring transfers that's georgia that's Georgia. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments. And while you're at it, go ahead and like this video and subscribe to the channel. Support what it is that we're doing at campusdecanton.com. If you haven't checked out the website, I recommend that you do that also. Let's move here to, to Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas offensive coordinator Dan Enos is out. I think Dan Enos was at one point what the head coach at Central Michigan, if I remember correctly. Uh, 117th in offensive EPA per play this year. Danino's out. Bobby Trino from Texas A&M is in. Sam Pittman, could this be his last year? Uh, if his record drops below 5,500, excuse me, uh, his buyout drops comparatively. Or uh, uh, There's a word there I'm, I'm, I'm missing. 50% um, of his remaining salary, uh, if his record since 2001 is below 500 it's currently at 20 and 18 so sam Pittman playing for his salary uh this year and to, to remain the head coach they lose uh bo lemur a top five center in this draft class and brady uh lengthen a left guard transferring out kj jefferson for some reason our video on kj jefferson was like one of the most popular that we've ever done on this channel of course they lose raheem sanders to usc and aj green who i was a big fan of 
I think AJ Green, he's you know one of these guys has got a 10 400 meter dash under his belt uh, coming out of the Oklahoma area. He's going back to Oklahoma to Oklahoma State. I really like him. He's out. They bring in Taylor Green, talented dual threat quarterback from Boise State. They bring in Jaquindon Jackson, a one time quarterback at Texas, running back at Utah, now running back uh, at Arkansas, uh, tight end from Eastern Michigan, Andres Paskey. How do you say that, Chris Moxley? You know how to you know how to say it. You nailed it. It's on your pass. I did it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, from Ypsilanti, Ypsilanti stand up. Fernando Carmona, uh, a left tackle from San Diego, uh, San Jose State, and um, they bring in some other offensive offensive linemen here. I mean, I, I think the question for this team going into the spring is really: Is it Taylor Green's job to lose, or potentially, you know, could we see Jacoby Criswell, or maybe even you know Malachi Singleton, who I like? fight for this number one spot or is it tailing greens chris no i i mean i think there should be a legitimate competition between uh tailing green and jacoby Criswell. and it, you brought in Criswell to essentially be the successor to cajun jefferson you brought in green because he was available there should be a competition i i, I think green might ultimately win it but both are good quarterbacks Matt, we were rostering Taylor Green last year because of his yeah. dual threat ability, but he's making the jump to the Power Five level. I, I, I feel like you know you got it. You probably have to fade him because we like that talent at Boise State. It's not the same uh, at Arkansas, especially when you can't throw. Yeah, I mean, not only is he making the jump to the Power Five, he's not making the jump to like the Big Twelve. He's making the jump to the SEC. Arkansas, right. fairly tough right. schedule this year as well. Um, hey, and don't forget, Jacoby Criswell at one point in time was a better quarterback than Drake. Was May. better quarterback than Drake May. They so had to flip let's, a let's, coin. They had to flip a coin you know, to figure out who was going to start. Yeah. Let's not forget how good Jacoby Criswell is. Yeah, I would actually think that uh, he's. I think Jacoby Criswell is going to be the starter come week one. I just think he's going to be on a very short leash. I think that's why they brought Taylor Green in to challenge him. I think it says more about Malachi Singleton that they weren't willing to let him be the, the second guy. They went into the transfer portal to get a talent. It doesn't mean the Singleton's not going to be good, but maybe they feel he needs another year. I do think he was a little bit raw as a quarterback uh, coming out of high school. So I think Jacoby Croswell ends up starting out at Arkansas. Now, I don't think he's quite the, at least not that I can remember quite the athlete that KJ Jefferson or Talon Green are. So I think it might be a little bit of a change in the offense, which is why I think short leash we probably see Green at some point. But I think Criswell starts week one. Uh, who's going to protect them? They had bad offensive line play last year, and 43% of the snaps from the offensive line uh, return in 2024. Um Luke Haas figures to be a key focal point in this offense. Once he's healthy, he did break his clavicle on September 30th. But Luke Haas, Chris, I mean, a consensus top five tight end. I mean, he should be, correct? Yeah, he's he's a tremendous player. I mean, you saw him come on, and I think he was ranked behind his counterpart, Shamar Easter, who also went to Arkansas, uh, who's – you know, he's more of a wide receiver. He he is 6'5", you know, 225. But Lukash was awesome last year. I mean, stepped in immediately and was a huge contributor for Arkansas. And they bring back a lot of their production, too. And, I mean, I expect Hosh yeah, to be do. part of that. I it, You know, a, a Cloud Kill injury 
late September, you should be ready for spring. I, I don't think that's going to limit him at all. But it's important to note because they have like pretty good tight end depth behind him. They do return their top three pass catchers, including Haas, including Andrew Armstrong, and Isaac Tesla, the transfer from Hillsdale College. Uh, Chris Moxley, you would have loved uh, Hillsdale College there in Michigan. You'd fit right in there. <laughs> um, at the running back position, I think we we all kind of believed in Rashad DeBinion uh, last year, uh, and now he has the competition of Isaiah Agastavi, a fresh, uh, who's going to be a sophomore in 2024, a taller, lankier running back who, you know, uh, Arkansas kind of gets the same profile or similar profiles at the running back position. And I think that's no different with Agastave, Jaquindon Jackson, and, and Rashad DeBinion. Um, if Isaiah Agastave is for some reason not drafted uh, or is, a, is a, uh, a free agent in your league, I would at least put him on a watch list and maybe even, even consider picking him up with, you know, a 15th round pick in your upcoming coming supplemental draft. Matt, any take on you know, this running back room and who you prefer? I'd say probably Dominion, at least to start off with. I think uh, I mean, we were big fans of Agustave. I think he couldn't end up taking over. I mean, Jaquindon Jackson, I just don't think's it. I mean, I, I know he had a couple good games a year and a half ago as Utah's running back. Uh, did transfer, as you mentioned, from Texas, was a quarterback there. Actually tried to be a quarterback at Utah. That didn't work out. Switched to running back. I just think his, his vision's questionable. He's not that good of a receiver either. Like, I, I don't know that he ends up doing much, especially with, again, the jump to – you just mentioned how bad the offensive line is. I understand they're returning a lot of that production. But, again, Arkansas has a tough schedule this year in the SEC. I don't think they're getting they any other quarterback. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to be, I think, tough for Jaquindon Jackson to get going. So, I think it's going to be a fairly even split between the three of them. I think Dominion probably is the leader of the backfield. I don't know that I want to roster – I shouldn't say that. You're not starting any of these guys. I would agree with you, and I'm probably using a last-round pick or putting Agustave on the watch list because he is a athletically gifted running back that I think could end up taking over and be really good for Arkansas, but I don't know that happens this year. And he's taller, too. I don't know if he's 6'2", but he's like 6'1", 6-something, if I remember correctly, a little bit lanky and needs to fill out um, to you know have a better BMI. So um, watch out for that running back room. As far as potential post-spring transfers, I think you got to throw Malachi Singleton, who I actually like uh, at the quarterback position. He could he could leave if he's clearly behind Taylor Green and Jacoby Criswell. And then Chris, as you mentioned, Shamar Easter could make the jump to get more opportunity. But you know, it just depends on where he's at on the on the depth chart. Um, just uh, really quick on Augustave, just to give you uh, give the listeners a, an idea, because you mentioned how he needs to fill out a little bit more. Listed at 61208 in our athletic comp database, he's comp to guys like Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon, and who is the other one? Darren McFadden. So, like, it's some pretty interesting comps in that list. But, again, we, we need to see it. He was also a little bit raw coming into to college. All I actually right. kind of like what Arkansas did in the portal, for what it's worth. Yeah. I actually think Fernando Carm. Uh, Carmona from San Jose State is a pretty good player. And Addison Nichols, I think, could be pretty good. Like, I'm not totally downgrading the Arkansas offense, for what it's worth. Like, I, I think they could do decently. Well. How much is that is related to Bobby Petrino being there? I mean, I think Carmona was kind of a coup for Arkansas. Like, he was a very well-sought-after uh, tackle and 
I'm surprised they got him, to be totally honest. I, I thought that he did really well at San Jose State. I like what Petrino can do, um, but you also have to consider, like, it's a really weird situation. Oh, <laughs> like him going back. Former to head coach coming back to be the, the, the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he should, his first press conference, come out in a neck brace. I mean, that would be, you know, if he had a sense of humor. I, I can't believe he was hired back, like, to be honest. <laughs> I, I just, like, uh, what is Arkansas doing? Like, you can, even if you believe Petrino is the best guy for the job, like, what is your second look, like, on the list look like? The speculation in the rumors about how he got that uh, that neck brace injury and everything, absolutely wild. Absolutely. I'm sure it's on Reddit somewhere if you want to go find it, if you're not aware. Um, all right, let's move on here to Vanderbilt. Uh, Jerry Kill added, added as a, a chief consultant there after retiring from New Mexico. Um, offensive coordinator Joey Lynch out. Tim Beck in. Is this my – this isn't my Tim Beck. No, that's – is this no, different Tim Beck? Tim Beck, from my, Tim, di- Tim Tim Beck, Beck. is the coach at Coastal Carolina. This is a okay. different Tim Beck. Okay. Okay. Uh, Division two national champ at Penn at Pitt State. Uh, two seasons at New Mexico State as offensive coordinator. Thirty second in EPA per play in two in two thousand twenty three. Uh, not bad at all. I think that that's why it makes sense. Um, that uh, where are my notes here? Didn't they add Diego Pavia? Yes, they did. They did. Okay. And they uh, added Blaze Berlowitz, who was there. We go. Pavia's okay. Backup and Nate Johnson okay. as well. Nate Johnson, Diego Pavia at the quarterback position, and Blaze. How do you say his last name? I, I've been saying Berlowitz, but Berlowitz. So you got two New Mexico State uh, transfers there. They also, if you remember, Loic Fungi at Texas Tech, a, big, a longer, lankier wide receiver. He's in Vanderbilt now. Uh, Jeremiah Dillon from Old Miss, and right guard Stephen Lasoya uh, from Mississippi State. Those are the transfers in. Now, this was a team. I mean, I don't know if there was a team that was more gutted in the transfer portal than Vanderbilt. They lose London Humphreys. They lose Will Shepard. They lose Jade McGowan. They lose A.J. Swan, who's not even going to start at LSU. Uh, they lose Ken Seals, and they lose Patrick Smith. Uh, they lost a lot uh, to the transfer portal. They also lose to the draft. Justin Ball, Logan Kyle, uh, right tackle or interior lineman, uh, Bradley Ashmore, and who was a four-year starter on the right side and they lose uh, Julian Hernandez, a three-year starter at center. I mean, this team was gutted uh, at wide receiver. They only returned 27% of production. Offensive line has a lot of holes. I mean, I don't know. Matthew, I dare you to pick somebody who's going to be fantasy relevant in 2024 uh, or that has Debbie value here on this Vanderbilt team. I dare you. All right. Um, so I won't go Debbie value, but someone who will be, um, CFF relevant. I think Nate Johnson, incredible, incredible athlete. Now look, there's a, there's a realistic shot that Diego Pavia ends up winning the job. He's a much better passer. But when I tell you that Nate Johnson is arguably one of the fastest players in college football, I legitimately mean that he was an elite 11 finalist. He has a very good arm. Uh, quick release, smooth, smooth throw of the ball. But again, extremely, extremely fast. We're talking about, I pulled it up. I wanted to see in here. He's got the comms to Vic, Pat White, Seneca Wallace. I mean, it's some interesting quarterback prospects in here. All 90 plus on his, um, 
speed, burst, and agility scores, six foot one ninety-one. If they use him in a way like as a rushing quarterback, as Moxley just continues to give me like the the people's eyebrow over here. I think that he could be a very intriguing player for them because I think there's going to be a lot of times where they're using him in those run run pass options and he ends up just running the ball or when the pocket just absolutely collapses on him because they don't have an offensive line. He takes off and gets a lot of rushing. He's not that good of a passer, um, and that's why I think Diego Pavia could end up starting over him. But if Nate Johnson is your starting quarterback for the Vanderbilt Commodores, I think there's going to be some pretty decent times where you're going to actually want to start him in your lineups. Mox, I mean... Mox, uh, Nate Johnson. It's going to be Diego Pavia. I mean, they brought Tim back over. We we talked about him. Like he was the offensive coordinator that coached Pavia. No surprise there. Uh, they also brought over uh, Blaze Berlowitz, who was Pavia's backup. I mean, I I'd be shocked if Pavia wasn't the guy. And they also added Jerry Kill, who you know. He had to retire medically from the New Mexico State job. And he did the same with the, I believe the Minnesota job is where he did it. But he's yeah. done it multiple times. Like, it, it, it's a legit health issue. But it also means that like he's going to be around to help these players out and help, you know, coach, coach his team. And I, I, I think that's a great addition. But, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be Pavia. And, like, he's going to. I, I'm very curious what he's going to do in the SEC because I, I think he's pretty good. Not sure he's SEC good. Diego Pavia was what a top fifteen quarterback uh, in CFF last year, something like that. Yeah, I think he, that that's he right. was really uh, yeah, he, was, he got he hurt at the there. end of the season, but he was really good in points per game. I'm pretty sure he was up there. He might even be like top ten or something like that. Um, that leaves us with Kentucky, and if I mean off the top of my head. I think Mississippi State is a team that I'm really interested to see with Jeff Levy now the head coach. But other than that, like my interest, I really want to see what Kentucky looks like because they get an ad here in uh, at quarterback in Brock Vandergriff transferring from uh, from Georgia, and then the running back position with Chip Tranium. You got uh, Sumo from NC State there, and there's just some intrigue as specifically regarding those. Two. Um, let's back up a little bit. Mark Stoops returns uh, after flirting with Texas A&M. I don't know what happened there if the boosters just were not happy with that potential uh, hire, but Mark Stoops is back. Offensive line coach Zach Yenzer out. Eric Wolford in. Wolford was at Alabama for two years in Kentucky prior, so he's coming back. Uh, he was a Joe Moore Award finalist in 2021. Wide receiver coach Scott Woodward is out. DeKale Shorts is in. Uh, DeKale Shorts was at Houston three years prior. So you're talking about Nathaniel Dell, Sam Brown, uh, Matthew Golden coached those guys. And they have a wide receiver core at Kentucky that we're actually intrigued with, with uh, Dane Key and Barry and Brown. Key departures, Matt, like lose your boy. Uh, Ray Davis, who's been around college football for entirely too long. Devin Leary, I thought that he could, you know, potentially get the most out of this offense coming over from NC State. I don't know that that was necessarily the case. And let, until the bowl game. Played excellent in the bowl game, uh, but he's out and Tavion Robinson is out. And then the transfers transfers in. I mentioned Brock Vandergriff from Kentucky. Bo Allen, who started at Kentucky, uh, then Georgia Southern and is now back in, at Kentucky. He'll be a walk-on. Chip Tranium, Raymond Cottrell, wide receiver from Texas A&M. Uh, uh, 
uh, Jamari Macklin from North from North Texas, left guard Jalen Farmer, and right tackle Gerald Mincy from Tennessee are added. Um, I want to stop and ask a question here. Chris, Matt and I really hyped up Chip Tranium when the transfer news was announced that he was going there because of his athleticism, because of what we saw at Arizona State uh, before he switched to linebacker at Ohio State. Now he's back at running back. What's your take on Chip Tranium's value headed into 2024? Yeah, I mean, I've always questioned his high-end athleticism for his size. Like, right, he's he's 230-plus. I I don't know that he's an exceptional athlete that will, like, break the mold. But it's clear to me that he is a good athlete and a good running back. Like, I've seen him play running back to this point well enough to tell me that, like, this dude can play. Um... Yeah, I think I mean I think it's an interesting signing for Kentucky, and I I think he's like probably not that bad. Like I would I wouldn't be surprised if he went day two next year. That that's what we said. <laughs> that's what we said, and we're teased for it. Uh, that's what that's what we said. Would you take he, Chip Tranium? Go ahead. Go ahead. Would you take Chip Tranium in the first or second round of a okay? Would you take Chip Tranium in the first two rounds of a supplemental draft? In a with a weak running back class specifically, weak freshman running back class. Uh, it's a weak freshman class in general. Yeah, I I might take him at the end of the second. I think that's fair. Did we not say this, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we both say- leaned, leaned toward the first round, which the might first have been a round we did. But take, still, I mean, but... first round, second round, what a details, details. Um, okay. Um, let's see what else here to talk about with with uh, Kentucky. You, you know, I, are, what are we going to see as far as Brock Vandergriff? We saw him in limited action. We've seen him in two spring games. The first, spring, you got to remember, Brock Vandergriff, a five star. Uh, quarterback coming into Georgia. He was a one-time Oklahoma commit before Caleb Williams went to be with Lincoln Riley. That first spring game, his freshman year, Brock or uh, Brock Vandergriff came on the field after Jackson Muschamp. I mean, it was Carson Beck, somebody else, Jackson Muschamp, and then Brock Vandergriff, who we heard was not having a great uh, spring practice, came on the field you know, really late. Even last year, he looked terrible in the spring. I mean, talk about throwing the balls into the dirt, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you know, he's pro- he's going to be the starter here at Kentucky. Matt, do you have any belief that Brock Vandergriff can kind of turn it around and we see some sort of spark that we didn't really see with um, with Devin Leary at the helm? I mean, I would find it hard to believe that he could. I mean, maybe it's, you know, two years of being able to work on this. I do not think he was that good of a passer. And I was with you. Like, I thought Devin Leary was going to open up this offense. That did not happen. I find it hard to believe that Va- that Brock Vandergriff is going to. I-, I was going to say, I really think if you roster Barry and Brown, you're just praying he returns a couple more kicks this year and just knocks it out at the combine or transfers out to get some value out of him. You know, I think I think Chris is 100% right. Chip Tranum's going on the second round because that dude's about to run for like 15 to 1,800 yards because Brock Vandergrift's just going to keep turning around and handing the ball off to him all season long. Like, I, 
I hope he proves me wrong. He's a five-star. I understand that sometimes the services, we get things wrong. He was not playing at a, if I remember correctly, a very high-end school. I'm pretty sure it was a, a like, a, what is this? Like, something Christian Yeah, he was in Georgia, Georgia, but it wasn't, it was not a uh, particularly high level of competition there. He has the tools. Like, he's got a, if I'm remembering, a decent 40. Like, he he's athletic. He's athletic. Enough. He can throw yeah. the ball. He's just, he's a little bit sp- uh, erratic. He is erratic uh, as a as a thrower. Which he was playing at might work for him. Pace Academy. Uh, no, I think it was like a Prince something Christian school, if I'm remembering correctly. It wasn't Buford. It wasn't Buford. No, he it wasn't, wasn't playing. Not Buford. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he was not playing yeah. the high end competition. So. I just I think he leaves a lot to be desired. Now again, we haven't seen much of him though. For all we know, the dude's actually been like killing it behind the scenes at Georgia. And then when they're like, "Nah, Carson Beck did what he did. Like we're gonna stick with him." And Brock said, "Fine, I'm gonna go somewhere else and do it." I mean, Kentucky clearly thought enough of him to bring him in. That's the only real quarterback they have on the roster, if I'm remembering correctly. So like, I, I maybe he proves this all wrong. I'm not betting on it. If there's anybody here, thank you, Andrew. Yes, Prince Prince Avenue Christian School in 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 uh, Georgia. Um, I think it's gonna be the Chip Trainum show. Like, I really think, you know, Barry and Brown. I, it's Dane always Peter. that way at Georgia. I mean, going back to uh, to Benny Snell, I mean, they turn around and they hand the ball off and rely on that offensive line. I mean, that offensive line has put in some uh, real talent to the NFL. So they have kind of always relied on the running game, at least under Mark Stoops. That being and said, I mean, they do have. Go ahead, yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, adding Wolford back is huge. Like, maybe he didn't work out at Alabama, but like, that dude can coach offensive line, like no yeah. doubt in my mind. And yeah. I don't want to, you know, I, I know it's a little off topic, but the kill shorts, the wires of a coach they added, like might be the most impactful positional coach at like in the country. Here we go. Nathaniel Dell, Matthew Golden, Sam Brown, like this dude can coach wide receiver. Like I, it's a great, great hire. I mean, he's got some talent to work with. Let's see if Barry and Brown can kind of return. Uh, I don't know some mix of his 2022 and 2023 form. His A dot in 2022, where he was used in sort of, you know, kind of a gadgety screen type of way, it was 9.7. In 2023, flipped right around. They just threw him the ball deep. It was 16.6. This is a player that you got to get the ball into his hands. So it should probably be like a, a mix between the two where we get him on some jet sweeps, we get him on some jailbreak screens, we get him on some reverses um, and not just run him deep every single play. Uh, Matthew, Barry and Brown, you know, I think he's a consensus top 20 wide receiver. He probably shot up in the offseason last year and then shot – his value dropped a little bit with uh, not, you know, making the jump in 2023 that we expected. What What's your outlook for Brown, a guy that we have? Obviously, we saw uh, what is it, against Iowa, and was it again? Did they play Iowa in the spring game? Who did they play in the in the bowl game? I forgot who they played, but he, I mean, he had one of the best games uh, of one of the best performances of anybody in the bowl game. Yeah, uh, scored three touchdowns in three different ways. I mean, this is a guy with a high ceiling. Do you still have a uh, uh, do you still have high expectations for him? I mean, I, yeah, I do. He, he was I mean, came into 
college, if I'm remembering, as an athlete, not even listed as a wide receiver, was a little bit raw. But, I mean, we're talking about a special player. I mean, me and Chris talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago. I know Zachariah Branch won the special team of the year, but I think you could argue Barry and Brown was right there as the best kick punt returner in the nation. If he's able to continue to do that, NFL teams will value that. You talked about what he can do deep down the field. You know, I know Brock Vandergriff has the arm to challenge deep down the field. Will they use him that way? I don't know. So maybe they do get him more involved around the line of scrimmage and he's able to produce a little bit. I think once he goes to the combine though and blows up, I don't think, I don't see why he won't be at least a day two pick. I think he's that, athletically gifted to at least be a day two pick he's produced it has not been a, what we had hoped for i mean he's i think at one point in time we had him as like a top 12 ranked at least i know i did i had him as a top 12 ranked wide receiver probably last year he's dropped some for me i was just looking at my rankings he's wide receiver 17 so still in the top 20 but I, I think that you have to be cautious of what he does in college this year but I, I definitely think he has an nfl future and probably at worst goes day two clemson clemson he reminds me a lot of Ted Ginn. I mean, similar body type, can return kicks, can return punts, is probably not as well-rounded as a wide receiver as you like, as you would like. Not yet, but he could definitely turn into that. I've I got to figure out where I have him in my rankings. I'm not sure. Um, let us know what you think about Kentucky's chances in 2024. Are you a fan, especially if you're a Kentucky fan? Are you a fan of Brock Bauer? I've, I'm here in Kentucky. People are really excited about Brock Bowers being their quarterback. Brock Vandegrift. All the Kentucky fans. Yes. Did I say Brock Bowers? Yeah. Brock Vandegrift. They are excited about Brock Vandegrift being their quarterback. A lot of people. I'm, have I'm so think, sorry. Of course. Yeah. He's a former five-star. That's all people see. Former five-star. They look at the 24-7 rankings and they're like, okay. All right. Um, all right. Uh, appreciate your likes and subscribing to the channel. We will be back next week. It might even be earlier than Wednesday uh, with part two covering two or four more teams here in the SEC. So stay tuned for that. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Apologies to Kirk Herb Street. We ran out of time. We'll get them rescheduled soon. For Chris Moxley and Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night. Good luck.